Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. All right, well, guys, I'm, I'm going to preach something I've never really preached before, and uh, I know it's Pentecost Sunday. Come on, are you guys excited or what? Now, I want you to pay close attention to uh, the message because uh, I'm, I'm bringing a message that has to do with understanding Pentecost holistically because if you only know Acts chapter 2 as your only expression of Pentecost, then you're missing a huge revelation of Pentecost. Come on, say Amen. And I believe prophetically what happened over 2,000 years ago in, in Pentecost is starting to happen now with great fervency. Now I want, you to know, I want you to know that what is about to happen prophetically, I believe, is, is, um, is stated in the history of what Pentecost means. Now, for those of you who know the Bible, okay, the Pentecost, just a little intro, Pentecost in the Hebrew is Shavuot. Say that with me. Say Shavuot. It's S-H-A-V-U-O-T, right? Some people say Shavuot. Some people say Shavuot. I say Shavuot, right? Uh, it's like tomato, tomato, right? It's the same. <laughs> but not, so I want you to know that in the Hebrew, there were, you have to understand the history in the Old Testament to understand the whole meaning of Pentecost. When we think of Pentecost right now in America, especially in our Western culture, we only think of what? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about, but it's not just a bunch of crazies speaking in tongues that when it comes to Pentecost. Come on, say amen. It's not just that. You have to know the whole story of Pentecost. Watch this. And in order for you to understand Pentecost fully, you have to go to the Old Testament because in the Old Testament they had feasts. There were seven Jewish feasts in the Bible that if you pay attention to the feast, each feast is symbolic and very prophetic of Jesus' redemptive work in his first coming and it also predicts his second coming. I'm just going to give you a clue about something. If you study the seven feasts, there's major things that happen all throughout biblical history on the seven feasts. Now, in order for you to understand Pentecost fully, you're going to have to go to the Old Testament with me. And I'm going to go to a real popular, passionate scripture in Leviticus. You know you love Leviticus. Come on. Now, there, now before I go there, I want to give you a backstory. Now, watch this, watch this now. You can amen me if you want because I miss you guys, all right? <laughs> so the Hebrew word for, for, um, for feast, okay, means appointed time. The Hebrew word for feast means appointed time, all right? And what happened in these feasts, they were called holy convocations. You know what a holy convocation is? Gatherings of people to worship God. So it's not, this is not just by accident. It wasn't a private thing. It was a, the Lord says, I, I'm going institute, to institute feasts to remind my people of past victories that I've given them so they could celebrate it every year and to point to future victories that I'm about to give them. And instructions. Now hear me now. All the feasts had significant value of why they were there. And the first feast was the feast of Passover. That is the foundational feast. Now remember, the word feast also, uh, like I said, means gathering together. These festivals gathering together with the people of God to worship God. This is so beautiful. Now I want you to see, the first feast was the feast of Passover. Say Passover. Now Passover was, uh, as you know, that was the foundational one. And that's when the lamb 
the lamb, right, was shed his blood and was under the doorpost of the people of God, watch this now, to protect them from the death plague in the past. Now, I want you to watch this now. Watch this now. I want you to see how God does not do anything by mistake. What I mean by that is I want you to see how significant events, even in the New Testament, correlate with some of the feasts. All right? So watch this. The first feast was Passover that the Lord instituted. And Passover was, as you know, celebrating the lamb that was slain. In the Old Testament, a pure lamb and his blood was over the doorpost. And that was called Passover. The next, the, the next feast that was instituted was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right? Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the day right after Passover. Now, why was it unleavened bread? Because, oh, I could preach here on this. Because, now this is just my intro, so buckle your seatbelts up, okay? Uh, the reason why it was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread at that time, it was, the, it was the day right after Passover that they said, you need to leave in haste. Because those of you who know a little bit about baking, I don't, but I've read about it. If you put yeast or uh, flour in, in, in the, the bread, right? Leaven, what they call leaven or yeast, it takes a longer time to break the bread or the, or the cake or whatever you're baking, right? So God was like, I want to get you out of bondage fast. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to, to hold on to some things. That's why I want you to hurry up, bake the bread without yeast, without leaven, so that you can get out of here fast. Can I preach here for a little bit? When God is about to deliver you, he wants to take everything out of you. He doesn't want to leave any of the remnants behind of the old nature. He doesn't want you to, to sit and wait and see about how long can I enjoy this before I really go out into the Lord all full out. Sometimes people are like, you know what? I want to be able to enjoy the world one, a couple, a little, bit, a little bit more times before I surrender to the Lord fully in my life. The Lord wants it out of your system really fast. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the day afterwards. Now, it was unleavened, right? Now, watch what's the third one, if you guys know third one is the feast of first fruits now watch i'm going somewhere with this okay first fruits was the feast right after the unleavened bread okay now first fruits just so you guys know was the on the second day of the unleavened bread feast i don't want to i don't want to confuse you with all these feasts i'm just telling you prophetically there is significance for pentecost being pentecost pentecost existed before acts 2 and it was called Shavuot. And that leads me, wait, this is important. The day of, the day of first fruits, what would happen is the people would come in. And the reason why it was called first fruits is because the harvest, the first harvest, hear me now, that would rise up. The first harvest that was available and was ripe. The Lord says, I don't want you to eat the first harvest. I don't want you to touch it. You offer that to me. So imagine sowing all for, for several months. To, to, to prepare for harvest season, and the very first one that goes up, you don't even get to eat it. You, get, you, need to sow, you need to bring it to the temple. The offering, you give it to the temple, right? And that was for a remembrance of what God had done. Now watch this. You're going to shout in just a minute. After the feast of first fruits came Shavuot, which is Pentecost. Say Pentecost. Now, the feast of of Shavuot is also known as the Feast of Weeks. And I'll show it to you in Leviticus 20, uh, 23, I believe, that it, the, the Lord gives specific instructions of having seven Sabbaths, which is seven weeks. What's seven times seven? 49. And then he says, not only that, do 49 plus a day later, and that's 50th. And the reason why we get Pentecost, because in the Greek word, the Greek word for Shavuot is Pentecost, which means 50th. All right? Come on, say 50th. All right. So the reason why this is important is that during Pentecost in the Old Testament, during Shavuot, right, it was right after the first fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, 50 days later after Passover season came Shavuot or Pentecost. And what would happen there is that they would give the first fruits, not, not watch this, during that offering, God, they would give a first fruit thanking God, are you ready for this, for the harvest that didn't come already, but the harvest is going to come in the future. They would give, in, in the Pentecost, the Shabbat, they would give a first fruit offering for the fact of the harvest that they believe is coming soon and now. Come on, say amen. Now, why do I say that? Because there's, there's three other ones. There's a, the Feast of Trumpets right after that. That's significant, by the way. 
the Day of Atonement, and then there's the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's not a coincidence that the Feast of Tabernacles is at the very end, right? I want you to turn to Leviticus, because that was, I wanted to give you something. Now, Leviticus 23, I want you to see it for yourself, verse 15 through 17. I want you to see how the story of Shavuot or Pentecost came in the past, what they actually did. Because there's something significant that the Israelites did in Shavuot or Pentecost that was much more in the Old Testament than just waiting. They offered something, and I'm going to tell you my revelation, what I got out of it, and then the traditional revelation of what what you're going to see, and both of them are very significant, right? Verse 15 through 17 in the NLT, it says this. This is when the Lord was instituted in the feast. From the day after Sabbath, the day you bring in the bundle of grain to be lifted as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Okay, that's seven times seven, 49. Keep counting until the day after that Sabbath. 50 days later. Oh, my. Then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. For wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread. This is an offering, okay? To be lifted up before the Lord as a special offering. Say two loaves. Make Now, watch this. This is a little different. Make these loaves from four quarts of choice flour and bake them with yeast. Bake these flours, not unleavened. I want you to bake these flours with yeast, with the flour that it's going to take some time. They will be an offering to the Lord your God from your first of your crops, okay? Now, you need to know that the Lord instituted Shavuot or Pentecost as one of the feasts. So when we hear Pentecost, they're celebrating Shavuot. You hear me, right? So watch this. It was 50 days later. That's significant after Pentecost. If the disciples were following the pattern of what was happening already in Jesus' lives, they would have known that in, that in Pentecost or Shabbat, there was something significant going to happen. Jesus kind of forewarned them. Not forewarned them. He, he did a foreshadow of something that was happening. Why? Because in Acts chapter 1, we're going to read a lot today, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 11, and then we're going to go through Acts chapter 2. It says the instruction of the Lord. Now watch this. During the 40 days after, verse 3, during the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from the time to time, from time to time. And he, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Come on, say amen. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Uh, sorry, the, the gift of the promise, as I told you before. John the bapti- baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now listen, the disciples didn't know what that looked like. We do because we read the Bible, right? But they didn't know. So, so watch a couple verses down in verse 8 now. Verse 8. But you will receive, come on, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. All right? Now, I want you to skip the rest of the verses and go to chapter 2. And I know you know this. Chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. For the sake of our context, look at verse 1 through 4. And I need you guys to shout this morning about this. On the day of Pentecost. That's 50 days later after Passover. Now, hear me. Follow me. Okay, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Let that sink in. They were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. I like how the NLT reads it. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then that looked, sorry, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared on, and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave this ability. Now, why do I say that? Because I want you to see something. Because prophetically, in Passover, do you know what was happening in Passover in Jesus' time? He was having the Last Supper on Passover. And later that day, later that night, he went, led on to be crucified. Let me tell you something. The Passover was having Passover at the Passover. Jesus is the lamb 
that was the exact duplicate of thousands of years ago of the lamb that was slain and was good on the doorpost. Now watch this, watch this. Now, not on any random day. On Passover, Jesus had his last supper. Look how God does not waste anything. Last supper with his disciples in Passover. Now watch this, watch this. And then after they had the Passover, you know what happened? He got crucified, right? And three days later, what happened? He resurrected. So watch this. The two loaves, I believe, this is, I'm going to give you PG's revelation, then I'm going to give you, then I'm going to give you the traditional revelation of what the two loaves mean, and both are significant. They both add on to our faith. Come on, say amen. So remember, every time that the Lord instituted a feast, it was so that the people could remind themselves of what God did and the victory that God had. I believe, when I studied this, I believe the two loaves are representation of remembering the crucifixion, which is, watch this, Passover, and the resurrection, which is first fruits. Watch this. The first fruit that was reaped, that was got up from the ground, that was to be offered to the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. Firstborn of many brethren. So the two loaves, I believe, it was a symbolism saying, okay, before, the, before Pentecost could happen, Pentecost can't happen. Outpouring can't happen unless there is the, the loaves, the, cru the crucifixion and the resurrection. And without the crucifixion and the resurrection, we cannot have true New Testament Pentecost. It's Passover. Then there was unleavened bread, which unleavened bread later in, this, in the New Testament is actually uh, called Passover. If you, read, if you read some of the, the Luke 22 and all these other places, all right? First fruits came, which means this is a revelation of the resurrection. Now, I don't, I, I don't even know where all my notes are at, but I want you to put that one, that one slide up there. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus mirror what happened in the feast of Passover and the first fruits. Say amen. Now, these two loaves, I was going to have two loaves, but I didn't have, I didn't have time to get it. So these, the, the two loaves, the cross and the resurrection, okay? The crucifixion. Now, why, why do I feel, let me explain. Why do I, do you say I feel like it, those two loaves could represent the remembrance of the cross and the resurrection? You say, why? Where did you get that? Well, the Bible says in, in Leviticus, he said, I want you to bake these breads with yeast. Like now it's very specific. These two breads and, these, and this feast, all right, and the feast of Shavuot, which is Pentecost, bake them with yeast. Okay, so wait a minute. That means it takes longer time for the bread to be baked with yeast. Do you guys agree? Because unleavened, it was quick. You got to be hasty. And here's what I feel the Lord in prayer showed me. I said, Lord, why, did, why is it so specific that now they bring two loaves? And why is it with yeast? And I felt like the Holy Spirit say, say this to me. Because baking with yeast requires a longer process. And you know what? The cross was not a quick death process. The cross was very torturous. It was long. And Jesus, the Son of God, was bleeding from practically every part of his body for six hours. Now imagine... Your blood is coming out of you in every way, in your face, in your chest, in your legs, because of the stripes. And you're hanging for six hours. It was torturous. It was long. And some historians say, some historians say that sometimes it would take a day for, for someone, or more, for someone that was crucified to be, watch this, dead. That's why the soldiers, if you don't realize... The soldiers, they broke the legs of the, people, the, the, of, the two other, of the two other thieves. Do you know why? Many of us have studied the cross know why. The reason why they, they broke the legs of the people on the cross is so that they could die quicker after that. They would break it so they, don't have, they had no more leverage after they broke their legs, right? They broke their legs and now they couldn't push up to get air any longer. They basically suffocated to death and they would expedite the, the, the torture and the death. By the time they came to Jesus, they didn't touch his legs because he's already dead. So they didn't touch his bones. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't break it. Now, the reason why I say this is because without the cross and the resurrection, we cannot have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? 
so what do I say that? We have to remember the cross in our lives. We have to remember that Jesus is not, it's just not about Easter, that we apply the cross into our life. Pick up the cross every day and pick it up. And now, now here's the traditional part. The traditional part, and I'm skipping some, something, but it's, it's okay, all right? The traditional interpretation of those two loaves, now this is the part that made me shout. When I started reading about the interpretation of some theologians and historians saying the two loaves were, the two loaves of bread offered at Shavuot identified, sorry, represented both Jew and Gentile being able to receive from the same Lord. Hello? So imagine a foreshadowing hundreds of years before Jesus came and the people on Shavuot, on Pentecost, would offer the Lord Two loaves of bread. You know what the Lord was, was, was specifically and prophetically saying? That there will come a time where Jews and Gentiles will receive from the same Lord. Not only is it going to be only for the Jews. There will be a time where the, the strangers and the foreigners, the Gentiles, come on. We are the Gentiles right now that were grafted in. The Gentiles that were wild and they're not part of the Jewish culture, they will be included in the same God with the same Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because of what happened at Pentecost, it was a declaration that the floodgates are open for harvest season. Oh, glory to God. And you know, I'm, this is where I'm really going to shout. Do you know what time that Pentecost took place that in, in the Hebrew calendar? Do you know why we're celebrating it now? It's because that Pentecost was, was founded at the first season of summer. Is when the crops in summer and the, and the fruits were ready for the reaping on the first day of summer. I don't know about you, but it's May 31st and it's really close. It's really close. Let me, let me tell you something. I want you to put, I want you to put this, I want you to put this slide up. Shavuot marked the beginning of the summer harvest and it implied that the beginning of harvest season is now. Do you see that Pentecost is more than just rabba-ba-ha-ha-ha-ha, right? Pentecost is that. It's speaking in tongues. It's outpouring. It's a little messy. But Pentecost is purposely about declaring harvest season has come now. Harvest is harvest season, harvest. Hey. And I want to say to you right now that in Pentecost, as we sow that seed, we're saying Jews and Gentiles together under the same Lord. Could you imagine, could you imagine being part of the, of the Lord's disciples and you were trained to always believe that it was only for the Jews and now Jesus and the Holy Spirit is saying, no, now these things, now the, the gift of salvation is coming for everybody. Everybody. And, and listen, that's why Cornelius, when he was praying, he was a faithful man and he gave. And the Bible says that his, his giving, don't ever think that God doesn't see the little things you do. The Bible says that his giving was set up as a memorial to God. God at the same time is visiting him, right, with an angel. At the same time he's visiting him, he's visiting Peter. And he's saying, he's with a vision of the, of, the, of the blanket coming down with all these wild animals. And he said, kill and eat. Oh, I'm not going to do that because that's unclean. And then Jesus said, don't ever call what I cleanse unclean. In other words, it's not just for a select few anymore. Pentecost opened the floodgates for, for because of the work of the cross, the two loaves, and the resurrection, for Jews and Gentiles to receive, watch this, not only salvation, but the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you that this is a season of harvest time. I pray that there's going to be a harvest in your life and out of RCC and out of, of lost souls than we have ever seen before in our life. I'm here to tell you the church of Jesus Christ is the answer right now through Jesus of all the hurt that's happening. Do you realize that at this moment, whether you believe it or not, people are more secretly open for the gospel than ever before because they're filled with fear. They're filled with confusion. They're filled with doubt. They fear with, I don't know what's happened. And then here comes a Christian that says, I know the answer to your problems. I know the answer to your, your pain, to your confusion. I know the answer to your fears is Jesus Christ right now. We need to start telling people about Jesus again. 
More than we tell them about going to church, more than we tell them about our Christian activities, we need to start telling people about Jesus again. Are you born again? Are you saved? Or do you just go to church? I saw, <laughs> this, is, this is a funny meme. I wasn't in, this is not in my notes. I saw, I saw a post the other day, and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, they, said, they said, you know, some of us are really weird, uh, leery about coming to church with masks on, but we've been coming to church with masks on for years. <laughs> my point is we need to stop playing church and start being the church. What, you say how? Anywhere you work, everywhere you go, it's time for harvest season. The first day of summer represented, represented harvest season. And I don't mean this to be preachy, but I believe it's time right now to offer people, people Jesus Christ. Not just really cool counseling. Offer them, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. When's the, when's the last time we did those things? Come on. When's the last time we did those things? So it's prophetically Jews and Gentile, right? Beginning of harvest season. The Apostle Paul summed it up this way. Are you ready for this? Look at this. In Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, this is good stuff. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 18 in the NLT. Look at it with, you, with me on the screen. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Come on. You were called uncircumcised heathens. Could you imagine that? You uncircumcised heathens. <laughs> you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. Look, look at this. Who were, remember the two loaves? This is what the two loaves are, are, are bringing. By the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Preach, Paul. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship. Is up there among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. All right? He's talking to the Gentiles. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Come on. Here, watch, here's the two loaves, guys. Here's what Pentecost is bringing. But now you have been united with Christ. Once you were far off. He's talking to us Gentiles, our former Gentiles here. Far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles. Come on. Two loaves, two loaves. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. What? What? Into one people when in his own body on the cross. There's another loaf right there. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this. Jesus did this by ending the system of the law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and and Gentiles by creating in himself, oh my, one new people, watch this, from two groups. Two loaves. He, because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, Pentecost announced that now the floodgate is open for harvest season. Look at what it says. I don't, I don't, I'm going to finish here. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away Actually, I'm, actually, no, I'm going to backtrack. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his, watch this, death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought, the Lord brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father. Look at this, guys. Now all of us, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. What was dispensed on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. Because of what Christ has done. Do you realize Pentecost? Pentecost is a celebration of what Jesus did on the cross and resurrection and announcing that now the two loaves, the Gentiles and the Jews, are being offered to the Lord and saying this is the reward of your, of your suffering. Is the people of God. Now this is so awesome because now this is where I'm going to get in the last 10 minutes, right? There's a couple things that I want you to know about Pentecost, all right? It opened the floodgates because of the cross and the resurrection, all right? But Pentecost, I want you to put this down. Pentecost is a time, I think this is on the screen, when the Holy Spirit invades the earth and empowers the believers in Christ to do 
the work of the Lord with supernatural results. The day of Pentecost is the day when the, listen, when the Holy Spirit invades the earth. Come on, somebody. And empowers the believers in Christ to do the work of the Lord, listen, with supernatural results. If we could do it with regular results, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. It's with supernatural results that the Holy Spirit comes and equips the body. But here's the thing. Because of what happened in the cross and because of dispensation of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, now everybody, watch this. I know this is going to shock some of you. Everybody in this room that calls themselves Lord, I mean, not them, that receives us the Lord, not calls themselves the Lord, no, that receives the Lord, you know what happens? You can walk in the same power that the apostles walked in, and you can walk in the same signs and wonders and, and miracles that Jesus walked in. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. You have to activate that. You and I must, must contend to walk in the power of God every single day. And it's not just for special people. It's not just for anointed people. It's for people that want to know that they can affect society supernaturally. Oh, come on. Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. He, I'm, I'm closing in about seven minutes, hopefully. Jesus, Jesus spent 40 days in post-resurrection ministry, hear me now, hear me now, look, look at me. Jesus spent 40 days in post-resurrection ministry talking to people, right? And it's in Acts 1 through 3, you can look it up for yourself. Talking to people about the kingdom. This is after Jesus resurrected, all right? Remember, when he was, when he was resurrected, he said, await here for the promise of the Father. Now, listen to me, listen to me. How many days after Passover is Pentecost? Is Pentecost? 50, all right? So for 40 days, Jesus walked with them. The Bible in Acts chapter 1 says for 40 days, he made himself known and present to his disciples and people, giving them instruction. And then he resurrected. Then he ascended into heaven. That leaves how many days? Leaves 10 days where the disciples went into an upper room and went into a place in Jerusalem. And they sometimes, they didn't know what to do. They just said, wait here for the promise of the Father. But they inclined themselves to prayer and they prayed and they prayed and nothing was happening. Have you ever prayed and nothing happens? Come on, so I'm only speaking to myself here. Have you ever prayed and nothing happens? And they prayed, surely something's going to happen. 40, the 41st day, nothing happened. They probably pray, prayed most of the day. 42nd day, nothing happened. 43rd day, nothing happened. Now, if they were really uh, astute and they were really following, watch this. I know this sounds really crazy, but just follow me. If they followed the events of what happened during the feast, they would have a clue that on the 50th day, something powerful was going to happen. All right? Now, Jesus didn't say on the 50th day something was going to happen. He just said, wait. Come on. He said, wait for the promise of the Father. And it just so happens to be that when 50 days after Passover came, Pentecost happened. But what happened at Pentecost was not just the two loaves that they were looking at. It was the Holy Spirit that came. But they didn't know. 46th day came. And nothing happened. But the 50th day came sooner or later. And when the 50th day came, the Spirit of God was outpoured on those people and you see such miraculous signs and wonders. I want to pause and say this. Some of you have been in a season. You've been in a season of your life that you're in your 43rd day. You're in your 44th day and nothing is happening. You're, you're praying and you're fasting and you're seeking God and it's the 45th day and you're not seeing any breakthrough. And it's the 47th day and some of you are not seeing any breakthrough whatsoever. You're not seeing any answers to your problems, to your prayers. It's the 48th day and you're about to give up. But your 50th day is coming. Your, your season of Pentecost, of outpouring is going to happen because here's what's going to happen. If you don't see anything on the 47th day, keep believing. Keep decreeing. Keep confessing. Keep being faithful. Keep being holy. Keep reading your word. Keep shouting. Keep singing. Keep showing up. When you keep doing those things, suddenly... There was a suddenly when they were praying and they didn't say, okay, at the 50th day, something's going to happen. They just said, wait. It just so happened that the Father knew that on Pentecost, which is one of the feasts, something was going to happen. If I knew then what I didn't don't know now, if I was a disciple, I would have said, hey, guys, so far, 
even what Jesus did correlates with the feast. Oh, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. Because Jesus got crucified on Passover. And he rose from the dead in the Feast of first fruits. So that means if they really paid attention, the next feast after that was Pentecost, they should have counted. Okay, 50 days after the resurrection, something significant is going to happen. But they didn't catch that. But they at least were in a place of prayer. They were in a place of declaring. And let me tell you something. I believe there's going to be an outpouring in your family, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your business, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your calling. Why? Because you've been waiting. And it's in the 48th day. And it's the 49th day. And it's the last hour. But listen, I love suddenly moments. They were praying. Now listen, what they were doing, they could have lose heart. Listen, keep, keep on shouting. Keep on being faithful. Having done all things to stand, stand therefore. Watch this, watch this. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. But you know what I love? Now, some of you guys that are scholars in the Hebrew thing, do you know what another, another term for the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot was? The Festival of Harvest. Have you guys ever heard that? There was a festival of harvest, which is Shavuot. Now watch this. You know how the New Living Translation reads when it comes to the, the, the outpouring of the Pentecost and also the, the, the be not, do not go weary doing good. Look what it says. Galatians 6, chapter 9. And then I'm going to have the worship team come up here. Let's not get tired. Look it up on the screen. Of doing what's good. Watch this now. We're, Pentecost is the what? Pentecost is the Feast of Weeks, and so is the Festival of Harvest. You're in your 48th hour, you're in your 49th day, and you're not seeing anything. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, watch this, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I believe prophetically that we are in like the 48th day. The 47th day, the, four, the 49th day. We are prophetically in that, and we've been waiting. COVID hit us, and all these things happened. Then we, not, not only when COVID hit us, now we've been quarantined, and we lost our jobs, and it's the 48th day, and we've been praying. Come on. We've been faithful. We've been doing all the right stuff, and then right when we think we're about to get up out of it, now comes all these riots and all this turmoil in our nation because of, of abuse of power. But 50th day is coming, though. The 50th day is coming. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Do you think the disciples were all spiritual and saying, okay, well, I know exactly what's going to happen on the 50th day. They didn't know. They just said, wait, wait, wait. And sometimes waiting is the hardest part. That's actually a song. I don't know what song. Waiting is the hardest part. Waiting is the hardest part. As a matter of fact, this is going to preach here for a second. If God takes longer than what you think, that's when the waiting becomes idolatry in our hearts. Watch. Anytime God delays something, to, to, to do something that you said it was going to happen in your time clock, we by nature construct idols in our hearts. How do you know that to be true? Because Moses took a long time coming back from that mountain. Listen, to they said, by now, God should have answered us. We ju he just split the Red Sea, and no, Moses is here. Moses is not here. We've been waiting, and we're getting antsy. You know what? We're going to create an idol of ourselves from gold, and we're going to say that that is the God that took us out of Egypt. How can, you th how can someone believe that when they just walked through the Red Sea Several weeks later, you know why? Because God was taking a long time and they constructed idols. When God doesn't answer prayer and when God is not doing things in your time clock, we begin to slowly construct idols in our hearts. So the 48th day came and nothing. The 49th came, uh, day came and nothing. Well, can you imagine waking up that day? Okay, here it comes. We're going to go. Jesus said, he, first of all, we're without Jesus. We're sad. He showed himself up to us. He's not here anymore. What are we going to do? Just pray. 49th day came. Nothing. They went home. They went to sleep. They came back over and over and over again. And on the 50th day, they came in like air, like normal. Just like you do every time we go to church. Here it goes. I know what's going to happen. And they're praying and they're expecting. And suddenly, 
on the 50th day, on Pentecost, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the church changed forever. It's about time that the church starts looking like the church of Pentecost. Come on. Like the church of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. I want the worship team to get up here. I have two more points. Now look at this. Look at this point right here. The day of Pentecost, watch this, represents, I want you to shout this with me, the birth of the New Testament church. Look at me. Look at me. Pentecost represents the birth of the New Testament church. I know this sounds really preachy, but I believe there's a rebirthing of the New Testament church right now. We have been in, in a, a dormant state. We have been in a fearful state. We have been, some of us, in a passive state. We have been in a lazy state. We have been in a fearful, scared state. Watch this. But on Pentecost, the church was born. And I believe and today in Pentecost, the church is going to be reborn into her destiny. There's going to be a new fervency. Come on. That, this, is, this is what Pentecost is about. It's not just about speaking in tongues. It's about a relaunching and a rebirthing. I told, I told my team before we came out, I said, I heard the Lord say a phrase to me this morning. He said, it's time, tell the people, it's time to press play on their vision button. Vision button. Because your vision has been clouded and has been on standstill during this whole quarantine that it almost does not all, but to some, it's like, you know, do I even want to do this anymore? Do I even want to uh, serve the Lord in this capacity anymore? And, and, and it's like, if you're not careful, please hear me this. If we're not careful, we could be lullabied to sleep by the, the Delilahs in the world right now that are trying to lullaby the church. I've gotten emails after emails about people saying, I need to come back to church because my faith is not right. My faith is being tested. Let me tell you, in Pentecost, it's not just the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a rebirth of the church. Come on! Come on! What does the rebirth of the church mean? L listen, I'm coming to a close. What does that mean? What does that mean? I'm going to give you a couple things that I wrote down, all right? The, in the book of Acts and the Pentecost, when the church was launched, amen. <laughs> Maybe they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Listen to this. Watch this. Watch this, guys. In Pentecost, when the church was launched, look at this. This is when the disciples were made and deployed. Hear, hear me now. In, the, in Pentecost, the disciples were deployed and they were made. And the disciples started discipling others and making disciples. So the ones who were being discipled didn't stop there. The ones who were being discipled, they grew so fast that they started discipling others. I pray that there will be a discipleship movement here from RCC and an evangelism movement and a discipleship movement unlike we have ever known. And guess what? It's not the key leaders that are going to do it. It's you that are going to do it. It's you, that the people of God, that I am ask, I'm challenging by the power of by the Holy Spirit, that you will begin to disciple people like never before. But you can't disciple anyone if you haven't gotten discipled. You need to get discipled. You need to do the things that you need to do to grow. But it was a it was a deployment. You know what you know what the Book of Acts was is is a deployment into action. That's why it's called the Book of Acts, <laughs> not the Book of Spectators. It didn't say Book of Spectators chapter 3. It says Book of Acts. And, and a matter of fact, if you look at the New Living Translation, you know what the, actually is called? The Acts of the Apostles chapter 2. The Acts of the Apostles chapter 3. The Acts of the Apostles. Acts. Church, in this Pentecost season, I'm prophetically telling you, it's time for action. It's time to stop talking. And it's time to start doing. Don't postpone any longer what God has told you to do. Oh, well, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. You've been waiting for so long. Pentecost is here. I said Pentecost is here. It's time for the first fruits to be reaped in the summer season. They, start, they started fulfilling the, the Great Commission. Evangelism started. Discipleship movement started. And there was a time, listen, of unprecedented boldness. Watch this. Hear me now. Hear me now. Not just in speech. Because anytime we talk about boldness, we think about, oh, he, that guy is really bold. 
Pentecost was a time of unprecedented boldness, not just in declaring and preaching, but in dealing with demonic spirits. Thank you for those two claps. That shows that the church of Jesus Christ doesn't really feel that they have the authority to cast out demons. That means that the church of Jesus Christ no longer feels that it's relevant to walk in power or that there's even demons on the earth. There's demons on the earth. And we take authority over them. The Pentecost, before Pentecost, the only person that had real authority were the, the close disciples and Jesus. But not every other believer. They were like... What is that? But when Pentecost hit, boldness hit every believer. And you know what? They were able to deal with demonic forces with boldness. Let me tell you something. I believe the enemy knows which, what Christian is in the earth that is a caster outer or a keeper inner. In other words, I believe the enemy knows the people that have all the authority yet don't use it. And he's going he's gonna to test those people. He's going to tempt those people because they know they're too afraid to exercise their authority. If you ever get a revelation of what happened in the cross and the resurrection and what happened at Pentecost, you will operate with, fe like, with fear and anxiety with boldness. I'm not, I'm not saying that you, don't, that you don't have boldness if you have that because I don't want to come across insensitive. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that you no longer have to keep your mouth shut hoping to somebody to save the day. You can save your own day. You can save your own day by saying, uh, I'm just going to be transparent. I, I wasn't even planning on sh sharing this because it happened last night. I had a, the dream that, like when I, today when I went to sleep and in the dream, in the dream, it wasn't a good dream, right? Maybe it's because we're, we're coming back for the first time, right? And in the dream, it was like this, almost like a dark dream, but it was only for a little bit. Now watch, this is what happened, okay? In, in my dream, just last night, I was in a bus somewhere. You know, I was traveling somewhere, and all I, could, I could feel like, like two ladies were like doing something. They're like, yeah, I could feel that in the dream. They're like waving stuff, you know? And I turned around, I'm like, in the dream, and I turned around, what is it? And there was these two ladies that they were uh, doing uh, like rituals over me in the dream. They were, they were just like encanting some stuff, right? And I remember I said, go in the name of Jesus. Get out in the name of Jesus. And this is, this is what happened in the dream. And they started freaking out. I said, go. And I, I, I did that because I woke up and I, fought, and I was saying, go, go. I, I kind of woke up out of that. And as I said, go to, the, to that in the dream, their eyes turned black and they were terrified and they were trying to bring fear in me. Their eyes turned black, like all black. And I said, go. Like that, I said, go. And when I, when I said go, they started manifesting and they let go and then I woke up. And I, when I woke up, I heard myself saying, go, go. I was saying, go. And my lips were saying that while I was sleeping. Because even unconsciously, I have, I have learned that I have power over every demonic spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah! Do you know the first sign that's mentioned in Mark and in Matthew as these signs shall follow? Come on, come on. If you know, if you know it with me, these signs shall follow them that believe. The first sign, they will cast out demons. They will lay hands on the sick. See, we don't preach this anymore because we're so culturally wanting to please everything. We're, we're, we're so soft and we're, we don't want to offend anybody. No, Pentecost means you can deal with demonic spirits yourself. Lay hands on your own head. Cast something out. If you have something in your house, take authority over it. Make sure you close those doors first, though. Make sure if you have any doors open, that you've uh, opened. Don't rebuke lust when you're watching porn. Close the door to porn. Repent for those things. And then you have authority over those things. If you're, if you're addicted with, with, with all these things and you're trying to cast out the things that you're welcoming, then you're not going to have any power. But guys, when you do, Pentecost says it's available for you now. You don't have to set up an appointment with Pastor George. Set up an appointment with Pastor Jesus, and he's already there.
The Spirit of God. Spirit of God. And last but not least, Pentecost, look at this, put that last slide up there, was a time of great growth for the church. I said Pentecost, that's the last slide, was a time of great growth. Everybody say growth. Say growth. Come on, say growth one more time. I'm going to read real quick three chapter, three, three um, scriptures, and then we're going to stand up and pray. Are you ready? Look at this. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, 41. We're going to read it real quick. Look at, look at me on the screen. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to them. That day, say growth. Say growth. A couple verses down, look at verse 46 with me. Verse 47, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with the gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the result of Pentecost, growth in the church. Now watch this. I believe it's not only growth in numbers being saved, but I believe it's time for the church to grow up. I believe that before we have the growth that we really want, we need to start graduating from milk to meat as Christians. We can no longer just survive on milk. Milk is good for babies and it's needed for that. But every now and then you need some good protein, some good steak, some good chicken, some good mashed potatoes. You need some good food so that you could grow. If all you have is milk, if all you have is milk, then your victory is only going to be milk level. Listen, you could, be, you could be in the shallow waters and you're not going to be harmful because you're playing it safe. You're going to have to go into the deep waters in order to get the big fish. The shallow waters is safe, but you're not going to catch the big fish. The, the deep waters launch out to the deep is what God is wanting us to do. Guys, it's time for the church to grow in discipleship, grow in evangelism. It's time for the church grows up, and it's time for Pentecost power and boldness to hit every believer. Come on, in this place. Can I hear an amen? Let's all stand up. Come on, let's all stand up. I want us to worship the Lord before we leave. Come on. I want you to contend for this. I want you to lift up your hands right now. Contend for the power of Pentecost to hit your life. Come on, we're going to play. I want you to put it loud. The worship team, I want, you to, I want the, the music loud, guys, back there. Come on, with everything we have, lift up your hands right now. Lift up your hands and ask God. Break any insecurity in, in and anxiety and fear. Let me walk in boldness. Let me walk in the power of God. I want the 50th day to come. You may be in your 48th day, but the 50th day is coming. Lord Jesus, we declare that you are great, that you are mighty, and, and through you, your people will do mighty exploits. It's a time of supernatural awakening, supernatural power. In Jesus Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.